1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hi, I'm Zivy Owens and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. Kimberly Shannon Murphy is the author of Glimmer, A Story of Survival, Hope, and Healing. By the way, I absolutely love this book. Kimberly is a leading Hollywood stuntwoman who has served as a double for numerous A-list actresses performing in 133 feature films and television shows, including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Captain America, The Eternals, The Old Guard, Bird Box, The Hunger Games, The Lone Ranger, Salt, Enchanted, Marvel's Agent Carter, Euphoria, Big Little Lies, and Westworld a taekwondo black belt. She received the 2020 Taurus World Stunt Award for Best Fight in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She is a two-time Screen Actors Guild Award winner for Best Stunt Ensemble and has been recognized with numerous award nominations and since 2018 has also worked as a stunt coordinator. Kimberly currently lives in Los Angeles with her husband, the stuntman and stunt coordinator, Casey O'Neill, who she met on the set of Night and Day when the two were doubling for the film stars, Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise. They have an eight-year-old daughter, Capri. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have. Time to read books to discuss Glimmer, a story of survival, hope, and healing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for this, by the way. this lovely. You're welcome. <laughs> so lovely. I can't wait to discuss Tell listeners about your memoir, why you wrote it, what they should expect. the rundown run down and then we'll dive in.
3: Um, I've been wanting to write my book for 20 years, probably. And I've never just been in this space, like mentally to write it. And when COVID happened, I just don't do well with like downtime. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing my book. And so I hired a ghostwriter and we did a proposal and Harper bought it within like a week of submitting it to them. So I wrote it for my 15-year-old self and I wrote it for every survivor out there who has suffered any kind of you know trauma that just to give them hope that they can heal and get past the difficult things that you might have experienced as a child.
0: Wow. Well, you do a really masterful job of talking about both the present where you you have, and well, not just the present, but your job experience as a stunt woman, a, an amazing you know, top of your field stunt woman. And then you take us also through these horrific events from when you were little and the points where all of them sort of come together and the realizations and, and all that. And I I have to say, I was reading, you know, with my hand over my mouth, just that, and then over my heart, because the things that you experienced, I I mean, just the fact that you wrote about them so beautifully and could come to terms with it and share it with everybody else is such a gift and it deserves like standing ovation, basically. Thank you. Thank you. Talk about, the stunts and the way your job sort of relates to the pain and why you feel like you went there, because I feel like you analyze that as well. Yes. I think that, that there is definitely a correlation
3: between people that do extreme sports and having trauma in your childhood. I think there's something about when we feel like we can push our bodies to an absolute limit, which is what I did in my career. and. Somehow, it relates back to our childhood. and i I feel like for me, I sort of seeked out just doing, you know, the most extreme things I could do in my life, put my body through these extreme things because I had already been through such extreme things. And I never really connected the two until the prologue speaks about me getting injured on I am Legend. And it was in that moment, or at least like a few weeks after that I really sort of, started putting two and two together that, you know, staying at work when I was so badly hurt and actually getting up and doing the stunt again. And again, when we had, um, you know, it took like an hour and a half to reset the stunt. So I was just standing there, you know, bloody and cut where, you know, obviously needed attention from a doctor. And I just somehow felt, you know, this pride of just being able to push myself and not you know, go see a doctor and not go get it taken care of. And it was really in that moment where I realized, you know, like I say in the book that I need to go back to therapy.
0: Can you discuss what happened in your childhood or do you want to leave it sort of veiled or how do you feel about it?
3: Oh yeah. So I was abused by my maternal grandfather and my mother's father. And he was somebody who abused all of his children, including my mother. And then, his grandchildren, me being one of them, not all of his grandchildren lived by him. So not all were hurt. I saw him a lot. So for me, it happened often and he died when I was 11. So it happened all the way up until he obviously passed away.
0: Well, part of, first of all, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And the the vivid detail in which you write it, even like the dress you were wearing and how this could happen. And it just, it's you know, but part of it also is the enabling of it, and the people in your life who failed you in terms of their ability to protect you, their ability to overlook, enable all of that. T- talk about that, and and where are you in terms of anger versus acceptance versus you know, like where are you today on on all of it?
3: Well, the book was a really interesting. Thing for me emotionally because it really wasn't until I wrote it, and obviously for those who are familiar, I I was interviewed by probably all of the top trauma doctors. All of the top trauma doctors endorsed it, and then I did interviews with after the book was out. And I think I really had to look at, and I spoke, I speak with Doctor Nicole about this. I really had to look at my whole family system,
0: mm-hmm. and it
3: wasn't until I read my story, you know, on paper or listen to my audiobook cuz i didn't read my audiobook i really had to look at my whole family and and what role everybody played in me being hurt and and being you know put in this position and being put around this man uh continuously and just you know what every adult in my life didn't do to protect me and didn't mm-hmm. do to help me and where I'm at now is that I'm taking space from everybody because it's just what I need to do for my own mental health and for my daughter and my family and it's been a
0: it's been a difficult road. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. Uh, the the level of emotion and you know family exhumation if you will, right? The, it's not just your story, right? This is like a whole ecosystem of stories and to get it all out there I can imagine that would be difficult for you, for everybody, but so important. And you weren't trying to hide any of the of the struggles of coping. You know, like you weren't, you show us all of it. And maybe it's not such a straight line, such a straight line. It's not like, oh, this happened and so this, that, of the other thing. But you take us into the most challenging parts of the rest of your life, which it's almost like a, you know, what if this hadn't happened? Well, here's what happened to my life because it did happen and you're showing us that way. How did that feel? Because it's not just the abuse which you wrote about, which is, you know, just so painful and horrifying for you and I'm so sorry, but it's also the situations you got yourself in, not just the stunts, but how you blocked the pain, who you turned to, how you coped, and having to relive all of that, that could not have been easy.
3: No, it wasn't, but it was also very therapeutic in a lot of ways. I you know, strongly believe that if we don't feel our pain, we can't heal it. And this was a necessary thing for me to do. And if I didn't write the book, I would have had to do it anyway. If I want to continue to better myself and show up for my daughter every day. So, you know, I also feel like in order to connect with survivors, which is ex- why I wrote this book and the reason that I did all this, you know, you have to be able to go through the things that happen after the abuse, because it's so important to be able to connect those things and understand that we we do things as survivors out of pain when we haven't healed it. And so that was just really important for me to be able to be brutally honest about the things that I did in my life, which wasn't easy to write about for sure. But also when I decided to write it, I wasn't going to not be a hundred percent honest about everything because it just didn't feel authentic to me if I wasn't going to just put it all out on the table. So that's what I did.
0: (laughs) And what was it like working with the ghostwriter? How did it work? Did you just talk about your stories? What was the process?
3: At first, we just did phone calls, you know, probably three or four hours and she would tape them and we would just, she'd ask me questions and we would just do it that way. And then I would write and she would make it really pretty. <laughs> so we would just kind of write back and forth and I would just sort of just write everything that I want to write. And then she would, you know, kind of tweak it. And then I would tweak it. So we would go back and forth like that. And then we did a trip together where we spent three days, probably 10 to 12 hours each day, just talking and sort of, it was important for her to sit with me and kind of get my mannerisms and just the way that I speak. And it was a really beautiful process and I'm super grateful for her and what a talented writer she is.
0: And who is the ghostwriter? Can you say? Yeah. Genevieve Field. Just, oh, it's right on the cover. So you know, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I'm like, in case you were worried she wasn't getting credit, there she is. So there you go. <laughs> what has happened? What stories have come out of this already with other survivors or people who are reading the book and coming forward?
3: Yeah, that's been a really beautiful part about it. You know, social media can have its downs, and it's you know, good good sides and bad sides. And the great thing about having social media is that people can reach you that wouldn't normally be able to. So to hear people message me about how my book has changed their life and how it's given them hope that they can, you know, get through whatever they've been through is just means everything to me.
0: You, in writing about your mom, especially who has repressed a lot of the memories and it took her a little bit to access them. What do you say to people who have done, like, how do you know you're Blocking those memories versus not having them at all. Like, what if there's somebody out there who is listening and is like, "Well, maybe," or "Maybe this is bringing a spark of something." Or do you know what I'm trying to ask? Like, how do you how do you know? <laughs> well, I think it's a yeah,
3: and I think it's a really common thread amongst survivors that when you start to have these flashes, that it almost feels so surreal that you feel like you're making it up, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've you know connected with so many people that have had repressed memories that feel that way because it is an unbelievable thing, right? Even if you didn't repress them and it's it's there in your in your head, especially when it's incest and it's a family member, it's something that's really difficult and hard to come to terms
0: with, especially if they're still alive. Oh my gosh. How do you even do publicity for this book? Like here you are. <laughs> it's like, you know, a Monday, you and I are chit-chatting about like your deepest darkest moments in your life and it's like how do you put that in then just go on with the rest of the day like is it hard is it is it just always ex- i mean obviously this should hopefully be in- totally enjoyable because you know it's me <laughs> i'm kidding but, but i mean it's like how <laughs> how do you how do you have to just turn it on and off like that when it's so painful
3: it's not it hasn't been easy for sure and um you know i've definitely had my moments throughout all of this and But it's also something that I deal with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It's not something that ever goes away. I always thought that I would get to a point in my life where it would. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that that's not going to happen like that. So for me to be able to talk about it in a light where I know that it's helping people, it gives me just hope and a good feeling that all of this didn't happen to me for no reason.
0: That makes sense. Tell me about the title, the cover, the marketing of it. Like just how did this all come to be? At first I thought I had, I was like, oh, did I, is that a piece of paper? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. You know, I was like, did I get something on this book? No, I love it. It's so creative. So tell me, so I'm, for those listening, it's a picture of Kimberly, but half of it is behind what could be waves, what could be paper. So just talk about this. A little bit.
3: Harper designed that bit of it. I always wanted my picture to be on the front of it. And that was kind of a back and forth for a while because I'm not, you know, famous per se, you know, and usually the people that are famous are the ones they put on the cover. So that was a little bit of a, not a fight, but I had to kind of convince them of that. And then they came up with the whole layout of it, which I love. And yeah, and we just pretty much went back and forth about just the font for a while. But yeah, they came up with the, you know, they have all of their reasons for doing things. And now mostly I feel like it's because everything's going to be so tiny mm-hmm. when people click because they're clicking on things. So it has to be, I guess, a really strong, tiny picture. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot about this world because it's not
0: my world. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Strong tiny pictures. There you go. Yeah, strong tiny pictures. <laughs> I was at a Barnes and Noble over the weekend, and there they had a whole section where they just put books with people's faces. Like it wasn't memoir, it was like the face section. They didn't call it that, but that's all it was. And the other memoirs were somewhere else. And I was like, well, this is interesting. I've never seen anything like that, you know? <laughs> so, um, but yes, I'm glad your picture was on the cover. And I feel like it's it's suggestive of a, of a bravery, right? It's like, you're not hiding anymore. Like you just want it out there. So yes. it's very, you're just like staring down the reader. It's very intense. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Thank you. How has your day-to-day life change and your your professional, your personal life, now that it's out there, not to say that everyone in your life has read it, but most people I would imagine know of it. So like, what is that like? And do you mind, obviously don't mind you wrote it, but I don't know. Are there any contexts where you're, I don't know. How, how does it feel? You know, I don't know if my family's read it, to
3: be honest. I'm sure that some of them have, and I'm sure that some of them haven't. The only thing for me was back to school night this year. I was like, I don't really think I want to go.
0: (laughs) I was literally going to ask. I was like, I'm not going to say parent-teacher conference because that's so random. Why would I say that? (laughs) No, I was definitely,
3: I said to my husband, I'm like, you can go this year. I knew that people at school had read it. I knew that the teachers were sort of talking about it. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't, I just need a minute. But that was my only sort of, oh God, I don't you know, because people are funny about certain things. And I think when you put your whole life out there and strangers may not understand, you know, why you did it or, you know. So I was just like, I'm going to take a time out. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I know Cameron Diaz wrote the beginning. Tell me about your relationship with her. And it was so wonderful. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't, none of us really know most of the celebrities in the world, but to, to see her painted in such a lovely sort of real light was also really interesting.
3: Yeah. She has been an amazing friend through all of this and through my life. We met when we met 20 years ago now, and she's just sort of been with me through this journey and through me writing. She was just a really, an amazing friend. And my FaceTime calls with her were often and she was just a really big part of like my strength through all of this. So I'm super grateful for her. And she's just an amazing human.
0: Awesome. And where do you go from here? The book is out, right? Like what, what next? You focus still on your like day job <laughs> career <laughs> of all of that. Are you now interested in writing more books? Has like the book thing itself been something that you're drawn to? Are you like, I'm so glad that's done never again? Like, how do you feel?
3: I wouldn't say I would never write another book again, but I want to make this a film. So that's my next thing. And I have some producers that are interested in it. So that's my, that's my world. So I'm excited for the, you know, potential of us doing that.
0: Wow. Would you be the stunt double in the stunt? No, (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) I'd be a producer. Yeah. I was kidding <laughs> kind of <laughs> for the for the people listening who don't know much about what it's like and I know you talk a lot about this other piece of your life in the book give a tiny glimpse as to what that's like for people who don't know or can't imagine putting themselves in harm's way like that like what is you know what is that like on a day-to-day basis knowing you have to get up and go somewhere that most people will never have the bravery to go see You mean like my work? You mean? I mean like your work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: I don't really see it like that, to be honest. It's, you know, it's interesting because I know everyone sees a movie or they see a TV show and you see a dangerous stunt happening and, you know, we're giving the audience what they want, which is, you know, this fear like, oh my God, that was crazy or whatever. But the reality is we rehearse it for, you know, especially the bigger ones, we rehearse it for a really long time before we, you know, we don't just show up to work and like jump off a building. I mean, although I have done that (laughs) at times, you know, but everyone we work with and every, you know, it's a, it's a tight knit family and there's a lot of trust. And, you know, I've never been in a situation where I felt like, Oh my God, I hope I don't die that's not actually true. I have been in that situation,
0: okay? <laughs> before,
3: but only because that was for night and day when I was on the back of the motorcycle for Cameron mm-hmm. and she did all, you know, cuz that kind of stuff is just more precarious and that, you know, you're on a motorcycle and if something goes wrong or if, you know, a camera moved in a, you know, something could always happen. But in general, when I go to work, it's a very sort of rehearsed situation. So we're not just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, I suppose.
0: <laughs> Well, I mean that's that's a relief. <laughs> Where do you feel like the role of love is in healing?
3: Gosh, it's probably the first thing that you need, I would say, and that's love for yourself, which is difficult to get when you were introduced to love in such a backwards way, mm-hmm. I would say. You know, I didn't I came into this world in a family That was extremely abusive. And so I didn't really know what the definition of love was. And I feel like until I met my husband and I had my daughter, really when I had my daughter, you know, if you have children, you understand, like you give birth and it's like this love that you've never even knew was like possible. And then I sort of realized that I really didn't love myself enough. And that that was something that I really needed to work on because I didn't think I deserved it. And that I think is a lifelong struggle and a uh, work that I'll probably be doing forever.
0: Do you ever just wake up and be like, it's, this is just, a, this was so unfair. Like what the heck?
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah. hundred percent. But those days are very few and far between because that doesn't really get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. you know, like the pity party thing, which I've definitely had those moments. And, you know, I just try to be super grateful for the life that I've created and that I've been able to create despite everything that's happened to me. And, you know, just that I just want to keep pushing forward and do all of the positive things I can. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes or don't have those moments in my life because I do, but it's more important for me to be happy and to just be grateful and to give my daughter everything I never had.
0: And what if someone's listening, they've been through trauma, they're feeling very alone and really struggling. What advice would you give them aside from just making sure they read your book, which they must do? What should, what do you what do you want them to know?
3: Yes, and I will say, you know, I wrote my book. I don't feel like it's a triggering book, which I think a lot of survivors and I've heard this before they read it. I'm afraid to read it. I'm scared. I really feel like it's almost like this guide to how you can work through everything without being triggering. And I think that the biggest thing that I would say is that you're worth it and you're not defined by what happened to you or what somebody who was really sick did to you. And that's something that I try to remind myself is that, you know, I am not defined by him and I'm not defined by what he did to me. I'm defined by what I do in this world and how I show up for myself and how I show up for my family. And in those moments where it is really difficult, I just think it's really important to remember that you're worth all of the things and that if we could all do something positive with our pain, this world would be a better place.
0: (laughs) Very true. What is something you do for fun? Or with your daughter or just something you're watching or reading or eating or something that you would recommend in some way or that's been giving you a lot of joy lately? I will say that I've just, for the
3: first time in my life, just trying to sit in my gratefulness, which is something that I've never had before. And it's taken me a really long time to get here. And I do slip in and out of it. But that was something that was a really hard place for me to be. Because I was in survival mode for so long and because I did have so much anger around what happened to me. So I feel like when I can sit in my gratefulness, I have this sort of peace that I never had before. And I think that's a really beautiful place to try to come back to. And I've been practicing that.
0: Nice. Wow. Well, Kimberly, this book, I mean, what a journey. So good, so important. I I just, you know, want to like beam a hug or not that you need it from me, but just like, oh oh my gosh, it really, and it's it's just like very much stayed with me and it's incredibly powerful. And that is what books are for, right? To get us to feel like that. So congrats on the book itself, but also on your incredible resilience and, you know, all that you give back to the world as a result. It's really awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye.